This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP, the number one hunting, shooting, and fishing podcast in Australia. Today we've got another episode of the Everyday Hunter series with Bella McGrath. Before we get into that show, we've got a new segment coming up on the show, which I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, Obviously, you guys know here at AHP, we've got the Everyday Hunter series, we've got straight shooting, and we've also got regular guests that appear on the show as well. So I wanted to add in another show that got more people involved, and I think I might have captured what I want to do, and I think it's going to be good. So when the shows do come out and I release the name of the show, let us know on Patreon if you're a Patreon member, or email me at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, what you think of the new show, whether it's uh, worth it, whether you like it, whether you think we should stick with it, uh, any criticisms that we can improve, I really would like to hear whether you think it'll work in that format. So just wait for that one uh, to come out in the next uh, three to four weeks. Our show today is with Bella McGrath. She's a young female. Uh, her and her partner love to go hunting. They love to go shooting uh, and they love the outdoors. So Bella joins me here on the show uh, to talk about everything, what she likes to hunt, the reason she likes to get out in the bush. And uh, it was a great show. So I hope you enjoy the show. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest, The Everyday Hunter with Bella McGrath. You'll listen to Australia's number one hunting, shooting and fishing podcast. All right, Bella McGrath, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast uh, for the Everyday Hunter series. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Jace. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Tell us, I want to find out more about you, uh, I guess, whether you hunt, uh, shoot, and how you got into it. Yeah, so um, I hunt predominantly with firearms. I have a small amount of dogging experience as well. Um, And I was introduced to it as pest management um, on the family property from a fairly young age. Um, I was never heavily into it. Um, It was, so my my parents don't hunt. Um, My grandfather just did a bit of pest management. So I was, although I was exposed, um, I didn't actually really take it up per se uh, till about six years ago. Um, even then, I still consider myself quite an amateur. I don't get out as much as I like. I still have a lot to learn. Um, but I'm now doing it um, pretty much hand in hand with my long-term partner. Um, and yeah, he's he's teaching me and making up for those years that I wanted to do it, but didn't have the guidance. What do you mean by pest management? What, you were you running something on the land? That's why you required pest management or...? Yeah, yeah. So it was only a small farm, but we ran um, both wool sheep and um, wheat. So uh, mostly rabbits, uh, occasional foxes, obviously, during lambing time. Um, So just anything that obviously was uh, introduced species and and posed a threat to either our natives, such as feral cats as well, or, or our livestock or our crops. What about where are you from? Tell the listeners where you're from and what do you what do you do down there or? Yeah, so the um, the family farm was central Victoria, uh, a place called Wedderburn, 
um, in the in the wheat belt in Victoria. Um, I'm currently actually living in the middle of the city in the ACT, so you can imagine how much fun I'm having here. Note that little <laughs> bit of sarcasm. Um, I've actually gone on to become a specialist vet nurse in large animals. Um, at the moment, though, I'm working in pharmaceuticals learning a bit more about the drugs and, and that sort of stuff. And I want to be able to take the knowledge that I learn in my current job back to the hands-on side with the animals and get back to the large animals, which is really what I love. Yeah. What do your family think now that, that you're a hunter? I mean, it was most majority, because I know a lot of, some girls, they meet, you know, they maybe like you said, long-term partner. Was he the one that sort of renewed any passion of getting into it? Or, or was it before that, before meeting him, you were, you were pretty pretty much enjoying your hunting and shooting? Um, little from column A, little from column B. So when I finished school and uh, went on to do my further studies to become the nurse that I am now, um, I was obviously reintroduced to the agricultural industries after being away from it for schooling. Um, so being back on the land reignited the passion, um, but I didn't have then a means of actually getting out there and, and you know, getting my hands dirty again, so to speak. And um, my introduction with him was what was able to actually allow me to take that rekindling and the passion of being out on the land and doing what I had to do in all aspects to actually being able to make that happen again. What do your family think now? And you, you were obviously enjoying your hunting and shooting activities. You meet this no doubt lovely chap you're dating now. What does what the family think? Or has he been exonerated from the family for being a hunter or what? No, no, no. Look, my direct family are all really good about it. We do have, you know, the occasional healthy discussion, but we are the, the kind of family that every now and again someone will deliberately say something else just to get the others riled up just for a bit of fun. But overall, you know, they're really accepting and, um, you know, although none of them have expressed any interest in joining me, um, they've certainly understood where I've come from and, and some of them have said, oh, you know, they think it's it's really noble or it's coming from a good place, even if they're not interested. You know, some, some of them do enjoy eating the meat as well. So, um, you know, even if they're not fully on board, all of them are really accepting and, and they understand why I do it. So that's really good to know that I'm in a safe place. Yeah, brothers or sisters, they do it if you've got any? Or? No, I've got one and he and I are total opposites. It's really funny. We always joke about how I probably should have been the, the son and he should have been the daughter in terms of, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm really, really gung-ho and, and happy to get out there and get my hands dirty and you know he's a muso and um he's doing a, a bachelor's degree at, at uni so um you know he's just perfectly happy to to yeah. stay indoors i think if he if he can <laughs> it's so, not an arts degree is it or <laughs> uh you know what i don't want to say too much oh, but no, um, we're gonna oh no he's we probably might listen to this and might get a bit upset <laughs> no he no he won't get upset he's a good sport he's um oh man don't quote me on this but i believe it's an arts and curatorship oh, i think no, is what I was it 100% is 100% right so, unbelievable yeah that's it that's um uncanny <laughs> unbelievable uh, as soon as you said muso i thought i bet it's an arts degree but I, you know, it's more just you know i was just guessing but what about your girlfriends <laughs> have you been able to get them into what do they think when they find out if you've either met new people or your current you know, crop of girlfriends going, well, she, she hunts and she's a, she's a vet nurse. That, that, that can't go hand in hand, can it? 
You know what? I think, um, again, I, I keep a small handful of friends. I, I definitely value quality over quantity. Um, but the girls that I do have in my life are just like my family. They're absolutely fantastic. So they're really understanding, again, even if they're not jumping on the bandwagon, um, they're really accepting of where I'm coming from and they do actually take the time to hear me out when I have to, you know, have a little rant about something and, and they see why I do what I do and they, I think they appreciate the fact that I am going out there and doing it and not just thinking, oh, this idea is good, you know, because a lot of people can see the ideal but they can't actually get out there and, and you know, make it something real for themselves. So mm. it's really nice to have, have women in my life who empower one another. What about when you, like you say, you go through your employment, someone finds out, you know, they might know you just at an arm's length and they find out you're a hunter. What's the reaction then? Um, so far, I haven't had anything go sour. I'm obviously working in the animal industry. I am careful. I don't just sort of, you know, hunter and proud everywhere I go because I do need to be wary that a lot of people that work in the animal industry are quite opposite to me and might be quite sensitive. So I do pick and choose about, you know, when it comes up and how it comes up and all that sort of whatnot. Um, and so far, yeah, I haven't had any major issues. There's there's one person that I can think of um, who hasn't been particularly gracious, but at the end of the day, each to their own, you know, she's not making my life a misery and everyone else has either just sort of smiled and nodded and gone, okay, and left it at that, or they They've gone, oh, really? And they've wanted to know more. So that's been really positive as well. How'd you meet your partner? Was he, did you, did you know he was into it, obviously, when, when you guys met or? Um, we didn't specifically know. Um, we met online. <laughs> one of those wonderful hey, online's normal technology. these days. Maybe not 10 years ago, but uh, 27 it's fine, so. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So we met online um, and we actually sort of spoke as friends and got to know each other for, oh, I don't know, maybe even a year before we actually met. Um, and yeah, just in that period of time. So it, it wasn't um, wasn't in a hunting form or anything like that, but he's off a property himself. So it, it became quite clear quite quickly for both of us that we both had a seated passion for living on the land and the stuff that comes with it, including firearms and hunting. Yeah. So in Victoria, are you mainly based in Victoria or how long are you up in the ACT for? So I did all of my schooling from kindergarten to year 12 here. Um, and then when I finished my year 12, um, I did a fair bit of travel um, for my certificate was based in Tamworth um, and I did placements all up and down the East Coast. So um, although my base has still been the ACT, I'd go away for a few weeks and come back and go away and come back again. So, um, and I'm settled here now probably for, I don't know, maybe another six months before he and I truck off again. So that'll be yeah. nice, I think, to get out of the concrete jungle. I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm learning, but I am definitely missing some of the views that you don't have in the city. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. I, I noticed, um, what do you think about partners uh, you know, hunting and enjoying it together? Do you think that's a good thing? I've got a mixture of different... Uh, 
friends, including girls. <laughs> I do know one girl in particular, actually, quite, quite a nice young lady. She, uh, <laughs> she doesn't want her boyfriend to go hunting because she goes, this is my time to get away and do what I want to do. I've got guys that think the same thing, but I've also got other friends that think, you know, it's great getting, uh, they would wish their, their partners were into hunting and shooting. So what do you think about that? Does, does that bother the relationship? No, you love hunting together or? Look, I think it's a really personal thing. Obviously, what's not going to work for one person might work for someone else. Um, It's really interesting you bring that up, actually, because I have done within the last couple of months a blog on exactly that. Um, So I can understand that some people, it's their getaway time, it's their thing. Um, I think a relationship's really unhealthy when you literally do everything together attached at the hip. You know, you've got to have similarities, but it's also healthy to have, you know, a couple of things that are your own. Um, For me, I've found that hunting with friends hasn't always been so great. There have been a couple of ugly happenings that I just wasn't interested in doing anymore. Um, And with my partner, he is my number one fan. He's my number one teacher. I couldn't ask for a better hunting partner. For him and I, it just works because he's got the experience. He's got a little bit more means. Um, he's really patient as well. I'm the kind of person that if something doesn't go right straight away, I'll chuck in the towel. I'll get really mad. I'll have a little tantrum and I'll want to go and sulk. And, you know, he's he's really good. He's a, a really calming figure to have around when, you know, as someone who is still doing a lot of learning, when I am feeling a bit defeated, um, so it works for us. It's just, it's really, it's a good thing. You know, we complement each other and we make a pretty unstoppable team, which is, is a special thing. I might have to interview him, see if he thinks the exact same way. <laughs> see what <laughs> yeah, he well. says, see if he confirms before I re- before he hears this show, I might confirm, make sure you're telling me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll have to see if I can get him on board. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Tell us uh, what animals you enjoy hunting. Um, so anything feral, um, although I prefer mammals over birds, I'm not really big on, on, um, you know, ducks and similar. Um, I know obviously that, um, there are still certain introduced species that need to be managed, but I tend to leave the partner to deal with those just because again, it's more in his interests. Um, predominantly uh, I've got the most experience with, um, rabbits and foxes, the occasional feral cat, um, but, you know, I do have my eye on bigger game too. It's just a matter of, you know, building up that experience further. And, you know, I've got a lot of land access, unfortunately. I just don't really have the the time or the money or that kind of stuff at, at this particular stage in life to be able to take it more seriously than I am at the moment. But what I'm doing now is hopefully building up to make you know, that day when it does come, something to really remember and be proud of and know that I worked for so long, for so hard to be able to get to where I wanted to be. What do you like about the smaller game, like foxes, rabbits, etc.? You know what? Again, funny that you mention it because I've done a blog on this. <laughs> um, if I really had to choose, like choose one species or die – I'd probably go the foxes. Um, And the reason that I love them so much is because 
they're quite cunning animals. Um, every now and again, you might get a dopey, like a, a cub or maybe someone who can smell someone else in heat or who knows. So they do have their moments just like all of us. But overall, they're, um, yeah, really, they're quite cunning. So you do still have to put a lot of work into them. And there's so many different ways. Um, you can shoot, you can use a bow, um, you can stalk, you can use a blind, you can try and call them in, you can spotlight. There's just so many different variables and they're found so far and wide across Australia as well that, you know, no one fox hunt is ever going to be the same. And I really value that you're always building your experiences. And obviously for one hunter who wants to chase that one species in so many different ways with so many different variables, they are, you know, I just love them. I really do. And they're magnificent creatures to watch. And I tan pelts at home as well. So, you know, they might not have big antlers or, you know, meat to put on the table, but they're still definitely like a take-home prize with them as well. What about your bigger game? What do you what do you want to try and, you know, hunt in the future or what have you hunted in the larger game, you know, deer, goats, etc.? Yeah, so um, I've done a bit of pigging, not a lot, um, nothing to write home about. <laughs> um, but yeah, have, have had a bit of a go with dogging um, and long term um, would really like to be able to bring home, um, you know, at least a couple of billy goats and some deer as well. Um, I think, again, if I had to choose one species, fallow is my go-to. Um, but, you know, just any big game at the end of the day, they're still introduced and it's food on the table as well. I, I really value bringing home the meat and using the hides. So a mature animal is going to mean more meat for you. It's going to mean more hide that you can use to turn into whatever you feel like. Exactly. What do you think about the meat? Do you enjoy eating game meats and uh, which ones do you enjoy? Yeah, I really don't like buying meat from the store. Um, I like my meat so much that if it's, you know, store-bought or vegetarian, I'll go for store-bought. Um, but I try and eat everything I can and try and fit everything I can into the freezer. Um, really not a fan of the stuff from the store just because the stuff that, in my opinion, the stuff that is raised humanely isn't really killed humanely. Um, you know, it's there's still processes that need to change and I don't have the answer to that. Like I can't just say, oh, yeah, if we do A, B and C, then all of a sudden I'll be happy to buy it. Um, so that's my solution is going out and hunting as much of the meat I can as possible. Um, certain members in the family like the game meat more than others. Um, but, you know, I just try and find creative ways to do it. And I really enjoy all kinds of different things. I love rabbit pie. I love bolognese with any kind of kangaroo or venison or, or pork and, um, you know, things like venison schnitzels and fried rabbit. Like there's just so many different things that you can do with it in so many different forms. And, and that's what I, I absolutely love about it. Have you given it to the family? You've had friends or family over and you've served game meat. Has, has that happened before? Yeah, I have. I feel really awful, though, because the one big meal that I've ever, like, put my heart and soul into um, was a venison roast that I did for both sets of grandparents and a family friend of mine uh, when my parents were off and travelling overseas. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, like, I'll be a real adult and I'll, you know, host, host a little dinner party. And 
I overcooked the roast, so it was like eating cardboard. It was the worst thing that's ever happened. Get out the gravy. Get out the gravy. That's it, yeah. So I think I ruined it for a couple of family members. But, you know, the everyday stuff like your meatballs and that sort of stuff, everyone seems perfectly happy with that. So that's good. What about um, uh, non-hunting? Do you do any, you know, rifle shooting, target shooting, clays, pistols, anything along those lines? Um, neither myself or my partner are members of clubs if in that kind of way, but um, we do have clay throwers and we spend just as much time um, shooting clays and also setting up all kinds of random targets at distances and um, all different weather. Like I spend pretty much equal amount of time shooting targets than I do game, if not more time shooting targets than I do game um, because I think it's really important to, you know, continue learning, not just out in the field hunting, but also, you know, constantly keeping my firearms handling um, current so I'm not forgetting to do things and testing myself in different environments at different times of the day in different weather, um, you know, different size targets. So I just enjoy shooting and I honestly don't care what I'm targeting because at this stage I'm still learning so much that it doesn't matter if I'm just stripping it down to clean it, I'm still learning. Looking for a big weekend? Australia's biggest sports shooting and outdoor event, the SSAA Shot Expo, is now even bigger. With hunting gear and outdoor equipment from the world's biggest names, plus demonstrations, talks and entertainment for the whole family. Over 120 displays, one location. The SSAA Shot Expo, RNA Showgrounds, Brisbane, August 26th and 27th. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au for sponsors and the full program. What do you do when you're moving around a lot? How does that um, work with you know gun safes and, and that sort of thing? Is that difficult when you're moving around a bit? How long have, and how long have you been currently now in the ACT? Um, so I've been back here for about eighteen months now, um, but all of the firearms are with my partner who is licensed. They're his guns. Um, I obviously need to settle down you know, properly before I can invest in purchasing my own. Um, And also while I'm currently in the ACT, which has been my constant come back to my little hub, no matter which travels I go on, um, the rules here around like applying for firearms and that sort of stuff are just ludicrously hard compared to when you're involved in in um, primary industries and, and that sort of stuff. So at the moment, financially, it makes more sense for everything to be in my partner's name because he's settled down, he's got the safe, he's got the experience. And while he's teaching me, then when I am finally ready to get my own license and actually purchase my own gun for myself, I'll have this experience behind me that I think will be really valuable. A lot of people go in to it with almost nothing behind them and they don't have people to guide them and um, you know I, I think it'll be really good for me in the long run to be able to go yeah I've shot all these different sorts of guns I know what I like the feel of I know what I don't like I know what I handle well what I don't and it'll make the process easier for me in the future. Um, was, was, it, was your partner was he from uh, Victoria as well or was he, was he in the ACT? 
No, so he's from Victoria. However, he's currently jackarooing on a sheep station in the middle of New South Wales. So we have loads of fun, I don't know, maybe every eight weeks or so. We'll do anywhere between just a weekend and a week to see each other and recharge the batteries just enough to sort of get that I miss you fix sorted and then, you know, part ways for another eight weeks or so. And it's a bit of a vicious cycle, but... I'm hoping that maybe come the end of the year we'll be able to find something and settle in the same town, which would be nice after four years, three years. We've been yeah, it must be tough. <laughs> I was thinking that myself. must be pretty tough to uh, maintain it when, you know, someone's always far away, yeah. Yeah, well, we make it work, you know. It's not going to work for everyone, but, you know, we've made it this far, and I think if we can make it as long as we have, we can make it through just about anything. <laughs> What's your yours is talking about him owning firearms as well, but you know you obviously you know shooting them with your experience of shooting which ones. What do you enjoy? What calibers do you think you know down the track you obviously may want to buy a firearm? What do you think would suit you? Yeah, look, uh, out of the um, the different guns that I have had the chance to um, really get a feel for and have good times shooting with them, um, I think I know it sounds so stereotypical, but honestly, the 22 so far has been um, the firearm that I like the best in terms of handling. Obviously, it's not going to be suitable for the larger game when I get the chance to really pursue that seriously um he does have a 223 that i spend a fair bit of time with um this particular one does have a stainless barrel and a synthetic stock and i do find it a bit awkward just for handling so i'm okay with actually pulling the trigger and the recoil but um if I wanted to get that calibre for myself, that'd be something that I'd, I'd need to have a look at sort of different models and do a little bit more handling in that regard, you know, because I'm only five foot three or four, so, and he's nearly six two. So we're quite different in size. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, it all comes in time and, and we'll get there, you know, there's no rush. What about the shotguns? How do you go shooting the clays? What are they, 12 gauge, 20? What, what do you normally shoot there? Yeah, yeah. So I've only, in terms of shotguns, I've only shot 12 gauges. And yeah, it's not a particularly great skill of mine. I have a lot of fun. Um, I really quite enjoy it. But um, yeah, I don't think I've actually managed to hit a clay yet. It's it's really interesting. Like we've um, set up moving targets for the rifle, you know, we'll put... Um, I don't know, say a paint bucket lid on the end of a rope and hang it from a tree and swing it around and that sort of stuff. And I actually do okay with those, but yeah, just haven't yet mastered the shotgun. Yeah, I know the shotgun can be quite a different. I mean, if you can handle those, you should be able to, you know, handle all the other. But then again, I'm a bit different when I'm shooting a rifle on a bench. Even my 308 tends to kick me sometimes after about 20 shots if I've got to try and get it, you know, on paper, get it, you know, right at 100 meters. And then, but then when I take it out in the bush, I could. You know, standing up from position or on the ground shooting, you don't even realise it's even there. It's like I could be shooting a, a calibre twice that, for an example, and it, and it wouldn't bother me. You know, or a, a really high, higher powered, you know, higher than a three hundred eight, and it wouldn't bother me. So, it just depends on where I'm at. But yeah, I like my shotguns. That's for sure. Um, next question: Being a female, you know, when you go out, you might go to the range occasionally. Um, do you find it's people are pretty accepting when you go to the ranges, like other men? Uh, what do you normally think? 
Um, I actually have only ever been to a club range once, um, and that was with another female. Um, it was actually a forces range, so this was a friend's mother who worked in border protection um, customs, and she took me out with her pistols. So that was loads of fun. That was a really cool experience. And, um, you know, I was quite young then as well, and I found it a really supportive environment. Um I think it's a good thing. Um, it's one of those funny things that it really depends on the person. Like everyone's experiences will be different. Um, I haven't had, again, like I, I said, I haven't had a lot of experience in that club setting, but um, the friends that I have been hunting with and, and my partner and, um, you know, even the online forums and stuff, for the most part, they're pretty good. And it's certainly not something that I'd be avoiding deliberately. Again, it's just a matter of, you know, he's in New South Wales, I'm in the ACT, he's got the firearms and we're kind of just waiting to be able to settle down to find a, a club to call our own, so to speak. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers, Australia-wide, and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including 8 years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. What do you normally when you when you are hunting though? Do you like the spotlighting stuff? Do you what normally do you prefer walking around? Do you like you know some people like I've got a friend's got a property where you know, he snipes the rabbits from like three hundred meters, which is I guess quite fun, and I'm hopefully I can do that with him soon as well. What do you normally what do you like? What do you just like at all? Look, we do a bit of everything. Um, my real favourite is calling in or, you know, if you're doing rabbits, sitting on a rabbit warren and just making sure that you're really quiet and moving when you need to if the wind changes. Um, I absolutely love calling in foxes. Like I keep buying my partner different fox calls because, you know, he's out on the property all the time. Try this one. Try this one. How's it going? And then when we get to see each other, I'll be like, come on, let's use those calls. Show me what you've been able to do with them. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it really depends on which property we're on and what time of year and what we're targeting. So um, I walk like a baby elephant. <laughs> um, you know, I love stalking, but it, I'm really not very good at it. That's something that I need to develop, I think, try and start tiptoeing around the house and see which family members I can scare first, I reckon. But um, I do enjoy it. And spotlighting, obviously, can be really useful when you know that you've got high numbers of things and that they will sit in the light for you. It's effective at the end of the day. So Absolutely. I don't know how many deer I've, over the years, I've I'm not sure if you listen to the show regular or anything, but I, you know, it took about five years to get my first deer and... Um, just got one just this, or this year I got one just on a recent trip in April then another one on the recent trip just on the June long weekend and you know I used to walk around a lot and I'd, I'd spook them or I'd walk up on one to my right and then they would sort of see me and then I'd be looking at them but they're not sure what I you know because I'm not moving they're not sure what I am mm -hmm. and they'd eventually just run off and I just found a lot a lot of the time I just these days 
uh, people gave me just just find a good spot, you know, whether it's on the fringe somewhere, whether some nice good, you know, something for them to eat. It's a good vantage point. Sit there and wait, and I've noticed that's for me that's worked worked a lot better. One of them, my first deer, I think it was honestly luck. I'm thinking, you know, there was a lot of movement through this area. I could see a lot of tracks, a lot of hoof prints. And I'm thinking, this forest is just massive. Why on earth would a deer appear here? And I sat there twice for like probably six hours all up. And then I go over a couple of days. And then I sat there again on another day. And I thought, this is the last time. And then within an hour, there was, there was a deer there. So I was quite lucky. But I just find sitting and waiting, you know, because that way I've got the up on those deer. They don't know I'm there. And sometimes, you know, they, at, at two, 300 meters, sometimes they, they don't even know you're there. So you have a really good chance of surprising them. You know, if they're feeding, you can shoot them. Obviously, that works a lot better to me, you know, but um, I know a lot of guys that do a lot of walking, they cover a lot of ground and are just as equally as successful as well. So um, my next question is, wh- why why hunting and shooting? What keeps you coming back? What is it about it that you enjoy? I mean, obviously, we, I've been interviewing some females as well, and they, they love their, their hunting and shooting activities, but obviously, it is male-dominated. So what keeps you coming back to this uh, uh, wonderful uh, sport, activity, culture, whatever you'd like to call it? The two big things for me, um, they go hand in hand. Um, so the meat, like I've said already, um, because animal welfare is such a big thing for me, I, I'm a really big supporter of Australian agriculture, um, you know, but there are certain parts of the process for the meat that we ultimately have in the butchers that end up on our table that I just I can't quite move my head past them for, for someone like me um, who does have welfare in mind. Um, a lot of the processes just don't quite meet with my views and like I mentioned before I don't have the answer I can't just sit down and say yep if we did these things all of a sudden it'll be magically okay so being able to source what I deem ethical meat is really important um I know where it's come from. I've got the welfare of my quarry in mind at all times. And on top of that conservation, so the start of my nursing career actually began in Australian natives in wildlife. And, um, you know, working with some of these really incredibly threatened, protected species and seeing how special they were was just another reassuring reason to be like, yep, hunting and shooting, getting rid of these feral animals or animals that are in such high numbers that they're doing damage to their own environment it's the right thing to be doing because you're not only um this is a really interesting thing i haven't yet heard someone say something similar to what i'm about to tell you now but for me is like when i make a clean kill by landing my target either right on the head or right on the heart that's you know instant or close to instant death whereas um when animals are left to nature, it's it's really interesting because I love nature, I love being outdoors, but at the same time it's brutal and I kind of don't like that. I don't like hit by cars, I don't like bait, I don't like the idea of my quarry that I've just made a really awesome drop dead kill on thinking of that you know starving to death because it's competing with you know other animals or other animals of its own species or you know in the middle of a drought so it's not just about the meat and for me and agriculture but it's also about um you know kind of being a positive end for them compared to what what nature could do um the other thing as well is you know any feral animal you get rid of it doesn't matter if you get rid of one or ten or 20 or 100 
any feral animal that you remove from the ecosystem gives our native plants and animals a chance to thrive. People say, oh, like one or two, that's not going to make a difference. But if we have all the hunters out there getting one or two, all the natives that we can get back into those ferals places, just give them a chance of taking the land back. Tell me some of your meats that you like to make. I mean, uh, we are not specific recipes, obviously that in depth, but what do you like <laughs> to, when you actually get these meats, you know, if you ever had a goat, if you've ever had deer, rabbits, what's your go-to? What are your, what are your fail-safes when it comes to game meat? Um, the fail-safes are probably in a mince form if you're going for venison, kangaroo, pork, because you've got your really easy recipes that you can do with those. Like you said, they're fail-safe. You know, you've got your bolognese or your sausage rolls, um, so they're really good ones. I do absolutely love rabbit as well, um, particularly in a rabbit pie. That's a super favourite of mine. Um, back legs as well, you know, a, a crumbed and lightly fried, a bit like a southern fry, not as healthy for you as some of the other uh, things don't you Don't worry, can who's do, telling but... you it's not healthy for you? Come on, it's the best, <laughs> it's the best. It's it's tasty, that's for sure. It rivals any chicken nuggets I've ever bought. <laughs> Anything else, any other things you enjoy or like for meat-wise or recipes or types? I do a fair amount of curry. I'm like a one-pot wonder kind of person, so don't be expecting any fancy steaks from me. I I don't do those well. I'm really big into the, yeah, curries, pies, bolognese-type things, slow cookers. Um, yeah, and goat is just, I know it's, again, it's really stereotypical, but I've just found that it's a particular meat that I make work for me in a curry, which is awesome. Yeah, no, I've got to start getting into the uh, sausage rolls because I know a lot of, People eat the sausage rolls or pies. I've never actually tried it. I've tried, you know, bolognese, those types of things. I've sausages. I make sausages as well, which is kind of good, you know, with either deer meat, goat meat, for an example. But I've really got to get into those pies and pastries. I'm mean, probably not good for me, but I've got to learn how to do that and what and the best cooking method to use those ga- to make them tasty. Uh, maybe you might be able to send me a recipe, one of your specials, if one day. You're more than welcome. It's it's basic stuff, but that's, you know, the whole reason. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, explained, when you're actually explaining to someone, you know, you've, had, you've probably had someone that's maybe been, uh, you know, a bit upset that you may be hunting, whether it's a work colleague, friend, but how do you explain to someone that's never hunt or shot, you know, to make them understand why, why, why we love this so much? Have you ever had to have that discussion with someone? Um, I think people can be a bit taken aback. Like I haven't ever had someone um, be upset per se, but I've definitely had people go like, what? You're a vet nurse, but you hunt? Like how does that work? Um, And, you know, what I tell them is essentially a condensed version of, of what I'm telling you now. So I explain that, you know, I'm not a big fan of the meat in the store and I explain how I've worked first-hand hands-on with our native animals and, um, you know, being involved quite heavily in the rural industries, the the difference that um, managing animal populations really makes and also the difference it makes in my life for my conscience and about the food that I'm feeding my loved ones. And even if they disagree, they understand the logic. I think a lot of people um, expect, not necessarily from me, but just in life, they expect someone who disagrees with them to fly off the handle unfortunately with the rise of the internet everyone's just decided that you know they're king of the world and if someone disagrees with them instead of laying out 
logical argument for someone to either go, yes, I accept that or no, I don't, and leaving it at that, it, it boils down to, you know, a lot of petty name-calling and abuse, and I just don't think that's constructive. So I give these people the opportunity to hear me out, I hear them out, and, you know, at the end of the day we part ways and maybe if I'm lucky they've, you know, learnt something and maybe they disagree still and that's fine because we still have respect for each other as human beings. Yeah, how do you – you were mentioning before about, you know, nature being harsh and it is quite an interesting thing. How do you reconcile that with yourself, you know, because obviously believing the ACT, I, I went down to Victoria – uh, last, just uh, probably in January of this year, just after Christmas, and you know, g- going through the ACT, there's quite a lot of um, you know, ruse that are hit. I mean, I think I drove for about six kilometres, probably saw at least twenty roadkill. The bare minimum was at least twenty, um, mm. and then you have you know, there's obviously a lot of kangaroos in the ACT in that area, that basin area, and. I mean, we have a lot of issues with the Greens down there not wanting to allow people to, to cull kangaroos because obviously you know, they are coming onto roads causing a bit, of a bit of a nuisance to drivers. So what do you think about that? How do you reconcile that with yourself? Yeah, well, I used to have the wonderfully fun job of dragging those animals off the, like the dead ones, off the road in, you know, 40-degree heat. Oh, wow. So that wasn't <laughs> always very pleasant. Um but, yeah, any ones that you see spray-painted, different organisations have, have different coloured spray paints and I still, just as a volunteer, if I see one that I know wasn't there yesterday, I've just I've got to stop and check a pouch and if it's actually on the road, move it off so it's not, not in someone's way. Um, I touch wood, I'm scrabbling for a piece of wood now. I suspect I'm going to regret saying this. Um, I have not hit one myself. I really hope desperately to keep it that way. Um, I understand, though, obviously accidents do happen, um, you know, and that roadkill, as long as people are sharing city-ish spaces um, with bush spaces that are enough to house animals, that there are going to be interactions and that sometimes those will be fatal. Um, At the end of the day, I mean, you know, I've never been actually at a scene with a driver who's hit one. I've always come along afterwards. Um, And, you know, as long as that person's done what they can, and I know not everyone will, There's no point in getting angry. I mean, the the accident has happened. There's nothing you can do. Um, I do think it's disappointing that, you know, the Greens are so anti-cull when, you know, that will actually, like I was saying with nature being harsh and that sort of stuff, you know, they're they're really qualified shooters and they have to follow a lot of regulations and it'll actually save a lot of kangaroos a lot of suffering in the long run if they have that, um, you know, fairly instant death, like I said, compared to being hit by a car because there are people that don't stop. There are people that leave them. I've attended countless animals that were still alive um, with broken legs and uh, the particular wildlife organisation I was working for, uh, we weren't allowed to deal with um, kangaroos over a certain size. So a lot of those animals we got called out for because people, members of the public would say, oh, it's a joey, it's a joey, and you'd get out there and it'd be a small kangaroo, but too big for us to deal with and we just had to sit there with the poor thing while we waited for the the government rangers to come out and and put it to sleep so that was really hard knowing that 
you know, that there's an animal right there and it's suffering and there's quite literally nothing I can do about it in this particular circumstance. So that's that's frustrating. Yeah, interesting story I wanted to, to bring up. Now, uh, I was on the rice fields last year. Not last year, probably two, actually probably more than that, probably two, two and a half, three years ago. And now this was an interesting one. My friend had a, a Toyota Hilux, no bull bar, a lot of ruse in this area. Now, we actually had a bit of a major, well, it was a major fight, not, not physical or anything, just a bit of a verbal until we realized I think I was right. Now, a, a kangaroo ran out. We didn't hit it that hard. Now, I, I think somewhat uh, it, it didn't look like it was injured, but it didn't look like it was in a good way either. Now, his natural reaction to this was to, and we were both at the time, I'm not now, but we uh, he still is. I'm pretty sure he still is because we still talk. And he was, we're both category D shooters. So uh, at the time, he had a, um, a semi automatic. Anyway, his natural reaction was like, oh, mate, I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to put it down. I've got, to, I've got to put the animal, I've got to do something about this. And so I'm going nuts. I'm thinking, mate, you're on. Let, let, let's just think about this. He goes, no, no, I've got him. We started getting into a bit of a, a, not a yelling match, but it was getting kind of heated. And I said, mate, whilst we're in the middle of nowhere here, can you imagine? And I understand why you want to do it, but just think, hear me out for a second. I said, we're in the middle of the road. You're going to run onto a private person's property, right, with a semi-automatic firearm. And if the police come here, what do you think they're going to think? There's Looking at the front of the car, there was no damage to the car, really. But obviously, we hit it and went straight under a little bit, then got up and ran. And then he went, oh. He goes, then all of a sudden, the tension just totally stopped. And he goes, oh, yeah, you're right, actually. What are we doing? I said, what, what can we do? You know, this is an interesting situation. I don't think a lot of people have come in this situation before. Um, and I said, if the cops come and you're on a guy's property uh, running around with your Category D firearms to try and who's going to believe that? I mean, for one, I probably wouldn't believe it if you told me that. So, unfortunately, I'm, I've got to be honest, we just had to – it ran off. I mean, by that time, it ran like 200 metres away, and we pretty much lost sight of it anyway. But um, I don't know if it passed on or, or had injuries that would have resulted in it dying anyway. But that was an interesting situation where um, – that probably would never happen. That's a very rare occasion, obviously. But even if it wasn't a Category D shooter, even if it was just me or you with a bolt action and you're on someone's property trying to do the right thing, I mean, who's going to actually believe that? No one would believe that. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, again, I'm scrambling for that windowsill again, touch wood. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've I've not been in – the closest thing was what I was describing before with the, you know, I do not have legal authority or any means to end this animal suffering now. I just have to wait for the government rangers to come. Um, but I feel like that would be something that I would really struggle with because mm. I'm sure, as you've heard from my prior answers already, is, is welfare is something that I – value really quite highly and and that would be something that would be really really difficult for me um mm. to you know obviously as an ethical shooter in a legal sense i need to obey the laws you know that's at the end mm. of the day is if i want this sport or culture however you want to call it to continue on you know i need to represent us in the best light possible and that is obeying the laws and and not doing anything to incriminate not only myself but anyone out there because it doesn't matter if you've got a good intention at the end of the day the law is the law and that's you know where it, it would get very tricky for me is you know i the law is the law but at the same time there is a living, breathing, feeling being out there that needs help of some persuasion, whether it be to get it to medical care or to be humanely put it out of its suffering as soon as possible. It wasn't, I mean, the ideal situation, but I just thought, is it, you know, you can't, how can you risk your, your firearms license whilst we're in the middle of nowhere? 
I mean, mm. who's going to cops turn up and say that? Oh, there's no damage to you. Who's going to believe that? I, I said, you know. And then I remember several, you know, years later as well, maybe six months after as well. He said, "Remember that day that happened?" I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Yeah, I think you were right. Definitely, you know. Now that I'm thinking about it, you know, you're definitely right." And we had a discussion, obviously, later that day as well. But mm. um, you know, I never thought there was a, a, a need for for a, a bull bar as well. And I think I've only hit one, and it was only just recently. And um, you know, I maintained speed. I, I came out of uh, the right, like from my right crossing to my left, they mm-hmm. were going in a diagonal position, uh, you know, running. And I think it was, you know, a, 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 a maybe a mother and a daughter, or it was a, an older one and a smaller one and a baby one, obviously. And I was probably a good hundred meters away, so I maintained speed, thinking, okay, this is I'm just they're just going to keep going in that position. They'll get across the road fine. All of a sudden. The back one, the baby one, just wanted to turn literally straight into my vehicle. And I'm like, what on? And and my mate messaged me on the UHF and he said, yeah, that's gone, mate. That's that's, and I said, and then when I got home, I had a look at my uh, bull bar. Obviously, it wasn't small to do any damage, but it did did a little bit of damage to my number plate, to be honest. And he just goes, yeah, yeah that one's gone. So I'm like, oh my god, why did I just run in? It just had to maintain, follow like your mum, follow your mother. That's all you had to do. And you know, I just think it's going to be gone. Like by the time I get there, and all of a sudden, just turned literally straight into my bull bar. I was honestly, I think this, they're crazy. They, they, it's like they're like a deer in headlights. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, that's the thing about animals is that at the end of the day, you know, totally unpredictable. So you just mm. got to try your best to set yourself up for success yeah. and when things go wrong, be prepared to fix it as quick as you yeah. possibly can. I guess can. at least that little poor bugger, at least I guess he didn't you know, didn't suffer, I guess, you know what I mean? Yeah. Compared to the other ones. But all right, guns in Australia, what do you think of these uh, gun laws? Good, bad, indifferent? What's your thoughts? Um, I'm not very politically minded in terms of it is something that I really struggle to grasp in concept. Um, you know, in real simpleton's terms, um, you know, there definitely has to be restrictions. You know, I think it would be absolutely irresponsible if, you know, people were just running out to Kmart and, and buying guns whenever suited them. Um but I think the way that certainly laws are starting to push um, is moving in, you know, from my limited education, um, is moving in a direction that isn't going to be productive for what the government claims to want. Just as one example of many, this whole amnesty business, it's like, well, illegal firearms are illegal. So they're not following the current laws. What makes you think if you change the laws that suddenly these criminals are going to start obeying them? You know, like it's ridiculous logic. Um, So there definitely does need to be, you know, restrictions and checks and and all that sort of stuff. But um, unfortunately, I think there's not a lot of logic going into it. I think a lot of the um, people who are involved with this are trying to pander to certain audiences, maybe to get votes or, um, I don't know, to win elections. That's starting to get into a technicality that I'm not very well versed with. But um, you know, although I think it's good that there are definitely control measures in place, I think they're certainly starting to head in in a bit of a an irrational direction. Yeah, when you go to vote, do you? Uh, I had my one of the, one of my first listeners, or at least one that told me, voted for the Liberal Party, which is, I guess, that's up to them who they want to vote for. But do you do you vote on uh, many different policies? Do you really purely vote on uh, pro gun policies and the parties that you vote for? And if you want to share who you want to vote for, that's fine too. Yeah, look, I'm still quite young, so I've only ever actually had to vote, I think, twice. Um, That being said, I have 
a lot of different things in my life that are of value to me. Um, firearms and hunting is one of them, but it, it is not my be-all and end-all, whereas I know that there are some people out there who is they literally breathe for guns and hunting and that's it. Whereas, you know, I'm an individual with a lot of different important agendas in my life. So at the end of the day, what I try and do um, is go for the party who has the most common um what's the word I'm looking for? They have the most common interests with me. So, you know, if I've got five interests and there's one party shares four of them, one party shares two of them, I'm going to vote for the party that has four similarities to me rather than two, even if the lacking one is the firearm. So I've just, you know, I try my best to go with who I feel is going to represent me as an individual best. This is not where you tell me you're voting Greens, is it? Or <laughs> oh God, no, no, no! I, I was like, no. she's going to tell me she's voting for the Greens. <laughs> no, no, no! I, I'm, um, I'm balanced, but I wouldn't be that balanced. <laughs> Would you make any change to the current system? Or are you happy with the way it is? Or um, that's a tricky one again because I'm not heavily involved in yep. it yet. Um, you know, but if our my partner and I's long term goal is is realised, which, you know, our 10-year plan per se would be, um, say, owning our own property, depending on where that is and what we're running, we might potentially have the desire to have access, just as one example, to a semi-automatic weapon, you know, and at present, that's not something that I think would probably end up being made an option to us with the the way things are heading. So it's one of those things that it's like right now for the way we are, the way we do things, it doesn't directly impact us. Um, But obviously there are lots of other people that it does and we need to have their collective interests um, in our voting and our thoughts in some ways because if our circumstances change down the track, defending them now in theory, is is defending us in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what uh, One of our segments here on the show, and I'm just going to go into my um, stopwatch here, is five questions in under a minute. You reckon you can take the challenge? I'll give it a go, but no promises. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. All right, best thing about being a hunter and shooter, what is it and why? Um, it's the meat and the other bits and pieces you can bring home because you're nourishing yourself and sharing all those things with your loved ones. Yeah. All right. Favorite aspect when you're out in the bush hunting, what is it and why? Uh, it's being out in the bush and seeing all the animals around you, learning while you're out there, even if you're not shooting. Yeah. Your favorite species you'd like to hunt outside of Australia, what is it and why? I'm a Canadian citizen, so my goal would be to drop either a bull moose or a caribou. Nice. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Canada. Yep. Uh, I was going to say, favourite firearm you own and why? Okay, favourite firearm, firearm you like to shoot, what is it and why? Honestly, the twenty two is the easiest one for me. I just love its handleability and its versatility. Ah, 49. Excellent. Winner. Woohoo! I did an earlier <laughs> show earlier with a, a nice gentleman and he failed, so... <laughs> that's all right. It's not about winning or losing. That's just been a No, fun. that's a it. That's it. It's a bit of fun. Um, finishing off, tell us a story. My listeners always like to hear a good story uh, to finish off. Uh, sell it to us so I feel like I'm there and I'm, I can feel like I'm enjoying the story because I'm there. 
Look, there's a couple that come to mind. I think a frustrating story um, was when my partner and I were down at his family's dairy and um, I had done that thing I do where I brought some new fox callers and said, hey, let's give these a go. So we wandered down to the dairy without the gun and I don't ask me why. It was the silliest thing that we've ever done because we called in I think four or five foxes in the space of about five minutes, one of whom was only five to seven metres away and we had quite literally nothing with us that we could, you know, try and dispatch them with and the gun was 200 plus metres away locked in the safe at the house. So, you know, the caller worked. That was brilliant but, oh, we were kicking ourselves later like what were we thinking Um, so that's, you know, it's just seeing those eyes right there and thinking, oh, I could just grab you, but, uh, it's such is life, they say. Um, a really positive story is, um, my current dog, she was bought with the intention of, of pig hunting. She is a rescue, um, but I wanted her to be a a real centre for me so I could pursue the dogging a little bit more seriously as well. So I had a couple more options despite my lack of personal firearms, um, for medical reasons, even though she's not two, we ultimately decided that wasn't going to be the job for her. It's a matter of poor breeding, um, so I've decided, all right, well, that's okay. She can't chase pigs. We'll we'll get her under the gun and we'll see how she goes. So I've only been training her on rabbits and um, my partner was out on the dam uh, shooting ducks and I'd been struggling with her out in the field. So she'd do really good retrieves just around the house. But for some weird reason, that outside the fact that there wasn't a fence or a wall or a corner she could sniff in, she was kind of going, oh, can't really find these rabbits. I don't really know what I'm doing. But for whatever reason, when when my partner um, shot his duck off, like obviously in the air, but off the bank of the dam as it had come up and out of, um, up and off the bank and up to fly away and it has landed back in the water and this alleged pig dog rabbit dog has done a perfect retrieve like it could not have been more textbook she grabbed the tail feathers and she swam for it and brought it straight back so that was a really super proud mum moment <laughs> absolutely um what do you enjoy dogs or you like them what about cats you prefer cats or dogs as a, as a pet Oh, I have a cat and I do love her. I'm a responsible cat owner. She's indoors and fully vaccinated and desexed and all that fun stuff, wears her collar and all that sort of stuff. But I definitely get far more enjoyment out of the dog. She's been a really difficult dog as well. She's had all kinds of fun behavioural problems and, and medical problems. But, you know, being a vet nurse, I've worked through them with her and, the you know growling snarling sick mess that I inherited and then the beautifully well-mannered evenly balanced working dog that she's flourished into I just I couldn't be more proud and she really is my best mate especially you know with my partner and I doing the long distance thing she she really takes up a lot of time and and helps me when all I can do is give him a phone call when what I'd rather do is give him a hug. I talk to him and and she cuddles me, so it's a good team. <laughs> Any final advice to finish off that you'd like to add? Or um, I think be excellent to each other. Like, like the way I said before, how especially with the rise of social media, there are so many people out there who are ready to tear each other to shreds there are good ones in there. So, 
you know, have a go, put yourself out there, be excellent to each other. The people who are going to be horrible, just ignore them. Show the world that we aren't a stereotype because we're really not. I mean, yes, we're male-dominated, but the demographic is growing and growing and growing. And we're not just rough, tough blokes who want blood. You know, we are people who care about animals. We are people who um, are female and who come from cities and who like to sports shoot. And the only way you can do that is by speaking up and saying, I'm a person, this is me, this is what I stand for, and supporting each other. Absolutely. Bella McGrath joins me here on the Australian Hunting Podcast for the Everyday Hunter Series. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been really special. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.